0: As you're getting settled in, if you would open your Bibles to Romans chapter 9, Romans chapter 9, that wonderful, wonderful book that so many of uh, theologians said that if they were stranded on an island with just one book, it would be the Bible, of course. And if they were stranded with only one book of the Bible, for many of them Myself included, Romans would be uh, followed very closely, actually, by Deuteronomy, because it's a book so full of grace. Well, all my life, I have heard the phrase, patience is a virtue. It's true, but only in other people. (laughs) I myself repeatedly test negative for patience. I am glad that I'm not sitting next to my wife this evening because my chest would be bruised from all the elbowing. So, why uh, restrain yourselves tonight. You all know that we are a nation of impatient people. We have express lanes for everything. We have fast food restaurants, some of which have express lanes. An express lane in a fast food restaurant. Studies show that if you click on your computer and you can't bring up what you were after uh, and it takes more than two to three seconds for an article to pop up, you'll move on to the next thing. We did a lot of work at Mayo Clinic with Otis Elevator and I learned something interesting from them. They had to progressively decrease the amount of time before the elevator doors close (laughs) by 15 seconds. Americans, not other cultures, are exhibiting anxiety behaviors. After physicians ask a patient what's wrong, how long before the patient, uh, the physician interrupts them? Eleven seconds. Bad on us. Margaret Thatcher said, I'm extraordinarily patient, provided I get my own way in the end. But Harry Reader, who spoke, spoke here recently at Bay in a much more eloquent way, wrote this about patience. He said, God is patient. I am not. I'm learning patience. God is patience. I'm developing patience. God displays his. Clearly, the patience of God toward us is absolutely, absolutely staggering. It's been extremely helpful, Harry said, for me to think about God's patience as it's displayed in scripture through history and toward me as I continue to seek the fruit of the spirit in my own life, including that elusive yet glorious element called patience. So tonight we're going to explore this important attribute of patience and ask 16 questions that we will answer from scripture. I'm just testing your own patience. It'll only, it'll only be six. But let's begin in prayer as we must always. Almighty God, we acknowledge in awe your attributes of which we and all of history and creation are the beneficiary, beneficiaries. Thank you, Lord, that you are long suffering and patient with each of us. Cause our recognition of this unearned patience to move us to thankfulness and repentance for the manifold ways in in which we sin and we grieve you. Lord, let the recognition of your patience cause those yet far away to turn, repent, and bend their knee, acknowledging you as their creator, redeemer, king. It's in the strength of Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Okay, Romans 9, we'll use this as sort of our signature uh, couple of verses tonight in order to illustrate a number of principles, but we will, of course, every time we ask a question, do what? Look for the answer in Scripture. That is our uh, only and final authority. So, Romans 9, and we'll start at verse 19. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault, for who can resist his will? Talking about uh, God. But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory. Even us whom he has called not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. Amen. That is the word of God. All right. Patience is an ironically difficult topic for me. I tend toward impatience. I'm excited to get right to the point. So as I studied this topic, I decided I would deliver this message in a series of questions and answers to explore this immense attribute of God and to answer it based on the best authority I know of, which is, of course, Scripture. So let's start with, First, what is patience? I have no idea, so let's move on to the next one. Another word for patience is forbearance. Think of this, what I'm about to read you, think of this from God's perspective, from his point of view. The dictionary says it this way. Patience or forbearance is the ability to endure difficult circumstances. It involves perseverance in the face of delay. Tolerance of provocation
1: Hmm.
0: without responding in anger Hmm. or forbearance when under strain, especially when faced with longer term difficulties or being able to wait for a long amount of time without getting irritated. Well, some key words emerge from this definition. Endurance, perseverance, tolerance, provocation and forbearance. The Bible, however, defines patience in a slightly different way. The Hebrew word for patience is most often translated slow to anger. And that word appears about 15 times in the Old Testament, often using words such as long-suffering, patience, slow to anger, all sort of synonyms of that. In the New Testament, the word patience is Patience is used as long-suffering, or macro-thumeo, I think I got it, uh, which is used about 25 times. And it has an interesting aspect of definition to it. It means taking a long time to boil. And these ideas, I think, express, well, a communicable attribute of God that he manifestly displays in dealing with us his created and it's called communicable because being made in his image we share this image that we share this attribute with him although quite imperfectly so as we discuss the topic of patience this evening we want to remember and interpret what we study from two perspectives god's perspective toward us and our response to that patience Toward others. So second, what does it mean when we say God is patient and slow to anger? Well, very early in redemptive history, as recorded in scripture, is an interesting passage in the book of Exodus, chapter 34. Let me describe the scene. It's a dramatic scene. Moses is summoned to climb Mount Sinai to meet God. Can you imagine? And God is standing with Moses on the mountain. The Lord passes before him and says, this is who I am. Now imagine if I said to Rachel, I said, Rachel, who are you? Imagine, Rachel could answer in this way, but I couldn't. Imagine answering in this way. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Now, I found that amazing. That when God defines who he is to, make, to Moses, he flips it around and he tells Moses what he is. And they're intertwined. You can't pull them apart. You can't have God without What he just defined as himself, that he is merciful, that he's gracious, that he's patient, that he's slow to anger. I couldn't describe myself that way, and I don't really know anybody who could. So why is God so so slow to anger? Doesn't he have the virtual right to immediately punish those who transgress his law? The answer is yes, he does. He has that right. But again, let's look to Scripture. The Old Testament records this about the Israelites in Nehemiah 917. They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them. But they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt, if you can imagine. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and did not forsake them.
1: What an amazing
0: attribute. The New Testament records it this way. Listen to Paul's description to the Romans in uh, Romans 1, 29-32, also repeated in Psalm 103, verse 8, of how God's created. Treat him. And as you hear it, Think about what would be a just response. Is it wrath and punishment or mercy and long-suffering patience? Here it is. They were filled, he said, with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. That's a pretty bad indictment. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Imagine snubbing God's long-suffering in that manner. But in a demonstration of his great patience, his mercy and love for us, he delays his judgment, allowing his created to see the error of their ways, Holy Spirit helping them. And this is everywhere proclaimed in Scripture. I'll do a very brief run through just in the Old Testament, Numbers fourteen eighteen. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Psalm 86.15, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. Nahum 1, three. The Lord, the Lord is slow to anger and great in power. I don't think my wife would describe me in those terms. I want to get to something quickly. And this gets to another important point as I thought about that. What makes me Impatient. I'm time pressured, and I want to get to things quickly. And it dawned on me. It is a difference in the sense of time. Something God created and thinks of differently than we do. Listen to Second uh, Peter 3.8. Do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day, is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any of you would perish, but for all to come to repentance. Don't misunderstand that, as many do. All His chosen to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come. We're going to come back to this critical point. The Lord is patient toward you, not wanting any to perish, but for all his elect to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come. That is to say, there is a limit to God's long-suffering patience. And the day of his wrath will come. Thirdly, how is God's patience manifested? And who is God patient with? Is it believers, unbelievers, all the above? Well, we're beginning to see that God's patience has a purpose and we'll soon learn an end. God desires that his elect will indeed, through the display of his great patience, come to him blameless and be found ready at his second coming. Paul, again, as he instructs Timothy, 1 Timothy 1.15. The saying is trustworthy, he's telling Timothy, deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Did you catch it? Paul is saying, he's answering our question of why this long suffering? Why this patience? It is as an example to those who will come to believe in him. We receive mercy and through mercy regeneration, the Holy Spirit changes our cold, stony hearts and minds into hearts of flesh and minds open to what was there and before us all along, but which we suppressed. His patience is meant to save us as sinners. Even those bound for eternal punishment. I mean, this is is kind of mind-blowing. Those bound for eternal punishment are the recipients of of much of God's patience through his common grace to all. Again, listen to Paul in 9.22. What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with great patience, vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? Fourth, why is God patient with us? Well, because in his mercy mercy and through the righteousness we gain through Jesus Christ, he desires, as we've mentioned, for believers to repent and turn more and more toward him, conforming to his image. For the unbelieving elect, have you ever heard that in one phrase? For the unbelieving elect, recognition of his mercy and patience is something the Holy Spirit makes them aware of, causing them to repent and confess Christ as their Savior. Second Peter 3.9, again, we're going to mention this verse many times. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness. Have you been in the position, as I have, of why, Lord, do these evil people prosper? The world seems full of evil people. Do we have many leaders that we could point to and say, there is a man of God, a leader of a country. But he's patient toward you, not wishing that any would perish, but that all his elect should reach repentance. For the unelect, those not destined to be saved, Solomon records in Ecclesiastes this in 8.11. Because the sentence against an evil act is not carried out quickly, the heart of some people is filled with the desire to commit evil. In other words, they seemingly get away with it. Although a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, I also know that it will go well with God-fearing people, for they are reverent before him. However, it will not go well with the wicked. They will not lengthen their days like a shadow, for they are not reverent before God. Paul, too, clearly writes of the non-believer's faith. Or do you think lightly of the riches of His kindness and His forbearance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God is to lead you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Is it just me or do I hear like a fire whistle? Oh, it's a telephone. Okay, fifth. What is our response to God's patience? How are we changed by it? Remember that God's patience, as we talked about, is a communicable attribute. That means that he shares it with us. His attribute, his patience, is perfect and full. Ours, partial and imperfect. But those who experience God's saving grace are transformed and to be set apart. They are to be other different than they were, and different from the culture. Well, where did I get that? Scripture, of course. Listen to Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit, and you all know this, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I was joking to myself, if you could see my notes, and I was saying, is seven out of nine Okay. you have to guess the two. <laughs> One manifestation of that transformation, of course, is how we treat other people. Listen to Paul's instructions to the believers in Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 We urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. His instructions to the Romans... Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. His instruction to the Corinthians. Love is patient and kind. So the patience of God has displayed in us, as displayed in us, is in how we treat others. It's a demonstration that we're different than how the culture treats each other. It's to be winsome and to draw people together to us such that they're willing and we're credible in giving our testimony and how the gospel of Jesus Christ has changed us. Well, Six, which you should not interpret as we're almost done. What is the goal of God's patience? And why is this attribute of God such a big deal? Well, the delay of the second coming and the final consummation with God's judgment, as we've already just very briefly explored is because of God's patience and his design for salvation. In his mercy, God tarries in order that his elect may be redeemed. And in particular, God's patience or his delay is to allow time for the elect to be confirmed in their faith, to give them time to prepare and to be blameless, Holy Spirit helping them. James addresses this, and he puts it this way in chapter 5, verses 7 to 11. And it's so good that I I want to read that whole uh, pericope to you. And count how many times he talks about patience. Be
1: patient,
0: therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth Who remains steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. And you have seen the purpose of the Lord. How the Lord is compassionate. And merciful. And patient. How many times? Five. 2 Peter 3.9 The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise. As some count slowness. But is patient to each of you. Not wishing that any of us would perish. But that all would truly reach repentance. And we are to count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Now the grand finale. Are you ready for this? Hold on. Put your seatbelts on. What is all this leading up to? What is Scripture from God's introduction of Himself to Moses on Mount Sinai through the prop? through the prophets, through the apostles, through the epistles, trying to emphasize to us here, why is this a string, a divine thread, all the way through Scripture? And it's because God's patience serves a singularly critical purpose. Your and my eternal salvation and destination. Take away God's patience. You no longer have a God. And you and I would not be redeemed. His patience is an attribute that determines where you and I live not in our earthly span, if we're lucky, 80 to 100 years, but your eternal life of eon upon eon. It's nothing less than God through Scripture describing the people, the events, and the purpose of his great patience in the new world order of his sovereign plan. An order that looks upside down to the culture. But God's world order is the one that's right side up. Peter describes this with clarity in his second letter, Second Peter 3, 1-15, through 15, to the scattered believers. And again, I'd like to read all of those verses because I think they're They're worthy of us thinking about this whole idea, these previous six questions. 2 Peter 3, verses 1 through 15. I am stirring up your mind, he said, by way of reminder. Remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, I mean, he's, he's virtually saying first principle right here. That scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing just as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact. That the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the Lord of God. He's taking us through a magnificent tour of redemptive history. And that by these means, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, he says, being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact. He keeps emphasizing this to us, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, so that we don't perish, so that we reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, He says, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, he asked this critical question. What sort of people ought we to be? To be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, because of which... Because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, so given all of this, therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent, be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And here it is. And count the patience of the Lord as your salvation. It's a magnificent passage. It's glorious. Paul is telling us clearly and plainly of the purpose of God's patience. That we would be found diligent, without spot, without blemish. That is found to be living lives... Consistent with our union with Christ, which we enjoy. And he also tells us clearly of that day in which God's great patience will be over and his wrath to sinners realized. The day of Christ's return, the day of a new world order, will be the consummation of everything we believers could ever hope for. I would love if we were all together together. Physically together when that happened. And the realized fear and horror for all those who tested God's patience and presumed upon him that they could go on sinning, presuming that his patience and slowness to anger would be forever. They will be surprised. The Reverend Stephen Charnock, an English Puritan, of the late 1600s, wrote this. No matter how hard hard I try, I cannot write with this kind of majesty or beauty. And I want to read it to you. Something he preached in the 1600s to his congregation and by God's providence we hear tonight together. Presume not upon God's patience The exercise of it is not eternal. You are at present under his patience. Yet while you are unconverted, you are also under his anger. For Psalm 711 instructs that God is angry with the wicked every day. You know not how soon his anger may turn his patience aside and step before it. It may be the sword is drawn out of the scabbard. His arrows may be settled in his bow. And perhaps there is but a little time before you feel the edge of the one or the point of the other. And then there will be no more time for patience in God to us or petition from us to him. If we die without repentance, he will no longer have mercy to pardon nor patience to bear. Sinner, he said, won't you come to the Savior? Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Who knows when your soul will be required of you? The Lord is calling to all the earth. Come now and let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as wool. For I am a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving inequity and transgression and sin. Unlike the culture caricature of us, does that sound like an angry, unloving, converted sinner? It sounds like a loving, repentant believer to me to have said those words. And now we leave Exodus and jump to Revelation. Look, he is coming in the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him in. Repentance. So let's summarize and apply what we have learned. And I have four major points. I'm sure you can think of more. Number one, God is mercifully patient and slow to anger. We are not. Absent His patience, we would all be unredeemed, lost, and subject to His wrath for our sins. Number two, God's patience, forbearance, and kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. It's a gift of incalculable worth. It was for me. I would never have been as patient with me as God was. And number three, this repentance leads to salvation, to eternal life. God waits upon us as it were that we might live eternal lives of glory in paradise with him. Number four, presuming upon God's patience, continuing in sin and refusing to repent will lead to God's wrath and to a destination beyond our ability to describe the horror. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for your patience with us. Thank you that you are slow to anger, merciful and gracious. In turn, Lord, help us, help me, Lord, to be patient with those whom we are wont to be impatient with. For we want to reflect your image, God, in how we speak and work and live. And, Lord, on that great day, coming soon and very soon, when you return to bring the new heavens and the new earth, may we be found spotless and blameless through Christ. For it is only in the power and the glory and the righteousness of your Son, Jesus the Christ, that we can even stand before you with profound gratitude for our very lives, Lord, and for your patience. We thank you. Amen. Let's close with some worship. The songs are on the back. Please stand. (laughs)
1: Let's glorify our God, our patient God, who's so patient with us.
0: And sisters. Now, to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forevermore. Go now, each of you, into your mission field. Remembering always that we live, Coram Deo, before the face of the living God. God
1: bless each of you richly. Amen.